Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for The Ringer, people outside The Ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out on Spotify. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, broadcasting from Paris. I'm Musa Kwonga. <laughs> I'm Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm cramped. I'm not going to lie, Musa, I'm cramped. How are you? I'm actually really good. I'm good. I'm happy. We're, we're I'm happy place. I'm, I'm in a really awkward position to record a podcast, but it's fine. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, we're tucked away in a undisclosed location in a certain part of Paris and it's a vibe. But yeah, um, before we get into the other stuff probably start with some some admin what admin is there spiritual admin life admin. we're hoping for staying safe and well yeah that's, that's too first yeah. admin right his house is up on its own feed it is um those having trouble with google podcasts just bear with us it's basically just google um if you haven't found it in your podcast app go to the right house twitter account it's just right house on twitter there's a thread of some links don't make me tap the sign everybody <laughs> Uh, other than that, check the ringer.com. Oh, there is a bit of admin actually. Next week, just purely because of logistics, Moose and I, we're not going to be able to record on Monday at all. So we're going to do Stadio later in the week. We'll do probably Wednesday. Just need to okay it. So we'll confirm it from the Twitter account. So at Stadio on Twitter, if you don't follow us already. If you don't follow us already, then what the hell? <laughs> Come on. Um. And I think that's it. So there'll be one stadio next week. It'll probably be on Wednesday. Right, his house will be up Tuesday. Uh, I think it might be Flo and I on that. I'm not sure yet. But um, yeah, other than that, today we're going to talk about Champions League really quickly. We have to be very quick today. So it might be rough and ready. Mm. And we're also going to talk a little bit about this idea that I had. Premier League should just do an all-star game. Oh my God, it's an incredible idea. Let's talk about it later. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. All right, man. Champions League thoughts. There was some good stuff this week. Yeah. Where do you want to start? 
I think the headlines uh, this time around, uh, we have to say that it was a notable victory for Bayern, who really needed that against Barcelona. Uh, Erling Haaland with some late heroics, 2-1 win um, for Man City over Dortmund. The winner, he got very late on after a comeback from a Jude Bellingham goal. MF Jude with the opening goal. Um, MF Jude. MF Jude, yeah, yeah. Brilliant goal from Stones to be back into it. So then the, the third headline, I think, is what Sporting have been doing so far. So they got a 2-0 win over Spurs, which is a huge win. And they've now got five goals without return in two games. Really impressive start. So I think th- those are kind of the three things that stood out to me. I would agree. I think Sporting is a really good one because they're top of that group. It isn't an easy, it's not a gimme group that by no. any means. I think that they were... I don't think they were. I don't think they rode their luck or anything. Spurs maybe could have done a little bit better in terms of finishing, but I don't think that's an unfair result that for Sporting. Not at all. It's interesting because they're only like seventh in their um, division, the Primera Liga, which is the seventh. Yeah, the seventh. I know. I know. This is the thing about depth, right? Like, I should probably watch a lot more uh, Portuguese football this season, just because the fact that they're seventh, they're putting performances like that. I see who's above them. There might be some real gems there. It's actually quite a young team overall. And it's really nice to see Trincao doing so well because it's always a big thing when you leave a club like Barcelona to see how he can kick on. But he's done that like really impressively so far. So yeah, um, fingers crossed they can continue in that stead. Uh, just in terms of the big headline game, the uh, Bayern-Barcelona, mm. this is interesting because... We watched this game together. Yeah, we did. And Barcelona needed... Well, they, they bought a lot of strikers, a lot of forwards. So finishing is a thing which they have to sort of step up at some point because I think it's the only point, it's the only thing at this point which is keeping them from the kind of success that their depth promises because they looked really, really good against Bayern and they probably should have had a penalty for a foul on Dembele. I think they definitely should have had a penalty and I yeah, cannot I believe it wasn't given. There's a thing that happens though with referees like that when they're in a big game and it's almost like they want to establish authority because the way he waved away the penalty shout was, there's no way I haven't seen something. Like, you know, there's, there's no way that I've missed something as big as a penalty. Like his whole body language was like, we're not using that, um, that referee unless, or the VAR, we're not using the VAR unless like absolutely certain there's a problem. Um, but they missed a lot of chances, Barca. They made some really good openings, I suppose, the positive thing. They missed um, a couple of very good openings, in particular Lewandowski volley over the bar after he teed it up really well for himself. Um, yeah, this one was yeah. a tricky one though, that volley, because I yeah. think that if you look at the replay, his body shape just means that that shot is always going to rise. The way he's leaning back, and yeah. It, if, if he doesn't connect with it as, as powerfully, obviously it doesn't go over. It doesn't clear the bar by much sure, either, to be fair. No, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if he, if he doesn't connect with as much power, whether Neuer just doesn't save it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't go over the bar by much. It's just that Lewandowski finishing, as we know, he can. Oh, you'd that, expect him yeah, to score. Right, yeah. right. Absolutely. But look, again, not to be negative, Barcelona's chance creation was really, really good. And they played some excellent football. Pedri, Gavi, very impressive again. Dembele was superb uh, for several periods. The thing about Bayern, I would, I would say, is that Musiala just shows so much courage and composure. Mm. Um, we're already seeing how important he is for them. Leroy Sané is in a nice little run of form, goal-scoring form. He looked very happy when he came off. I'm not sure quite why. Um, but he contributed very well. Uh, Bayern got two goals in four minutes and once they were two up that was kind of that yeah I think Bayern up until they scored were not good actually no I agree I agree it's pretty easy to compartmentalise this result for Barcelona I think yeah if they hadn't played well 
Mm. then they'd be I'd be really concerned if I was Javi but the fact that I think they played some amazing football and we actually said in the first half watch when Bas- watch when Bayern get the ball and they're actually a really weird team to watch when they have mm. a lot of possession yeah. there were these little spells of possession where their patterns just weren't really penetrating Barcelona at all mm. and I thought it was only really going to finish one way and then it wasn't until they scored that they all of a sudden just clicked into gear. Obviously got the second one really briefly after that you mentioned. But I think Nagelsmann even said it like in the first half, they were just nowhere. But they didn't have a huge amount of joy through the middle. It's funny because Sabitzer had a shot that went narrowly wide. Um, mm. And it's funny because it came from a position of the pitch that Barcelona had almost vacated because Bayern were doing so little down through the centre. They were really relying, I think, a lot primarily on mm. Alphonse Davies down the left flank. And so it was almost like when, when Sabitzer got that chance, it was almost because bodies had vacated that space because they're like, you're not, you're not causing us any trouble down there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I think, you know, Barca were the better team, but Bayern executed better and that was that. And neither team should be, I think, too hasty in the conclusions they draw from this victory or this defeat. Bayern atop, Barcelona second, Inter winning away at Victoria. I think Barcelona will have enough against Inter over two games to, to, to open up a bit of a gap on them. Mm. And I think it'll be Bayern and Barca to go through, honest. Not a bad shot. We didn't mention the uh, the other game in Spurs and Sporting's group, which was Eintracht Frankfurt beating Marseille in Marseille. There was a goal chalked off for Marseille in equaliser, which was, I think it was this game. There were a couple, actually. In fact, there were a couple of really, really poor decisions with this, with this uh, toe in the automatic offside thing. Mm. I hate it. I really hate it's it. It's the marginals, really. yeah. yeah. It's, it's just not fun. But um, it's a good result for Eintracht, that, away at Marseille. Um, they needed that because they were decent in their first game. They got done 3-0 uh, by Sporting. And I think they, yeah, I think it was a slightly unfair reflection of play in terms of the scoreline. Mm. Um, yeah, glad they could claw something back for themselves. Uh, Real Madrid beat RB Leipzig in the Bernabeu. One, uh, another Feli Faloverdi goal, but also one, my main takeaway from this game, and it's actually been bugging me for a couple of games now, is the new camera angle at the Bernabeu. I agree. What's that? What's the, what's, the, what's, like the, what's your problem with it? It's too far away and it doesn't make me feel like I'm at the Bernabeu. Mm. It's felt a bit, I mean, obviously been on construction for a while. So the, the Bernabeu as a whole has felt beneath it sort of most vibrant for a while. But yeah, again, Madrid just grinding it out and Valverde emerging as such a decisive force this year. Napoli beat Rangers 3-0 at Ibrox, which was kind of fair. Napoli were by far the better side. Squad depth is so, yeah. so impressive for Napoli. Wild thing on the penalties though, uh, Zielinski hit, uh, missed two penalties. Yeah. One had to be retaken and then he missed the second one. Both saved, actually, sorry, by McGregor. But yeah, Napoli were just too good. Lovely goal from Tangi and Dombele in this Yeah, game. they gave Politano the penalty in the end and he put it away, which is funny because Politano probably has the best strike at Napoli, I would say. Mm. So good to see him on, on those duties. Dortmund were, I think, unfortunate against Man City. Unfortunate not to get at least the point, maybe. I mean, yeah. the point is... Um, it's always harsh with those situations because they took the lead through Jude Bellingham. Marco Royce was, was excellent that evening. Bellingham stealing in for a great header and almost looked like for a long time Dortmund get the revenge for losing out to them in Champions League. And they held out until John Stone scored an exceptional strike into the box. Actually reminiscent of the Vincent Company goal that put them on the way to their Premier League win a couple of years ago. And John Stone's really needed that because he's been in and out of the team, obviously injury, but also just losing his place, losing his place in the pecking order. Spectacular strike from him. And the only thing I would say about 
the winning goal from Holland is it's hard to fault themselves, right? Like if you look at that goal over and over again, the quality of living Cancelo and the finish from Holland, there are very few defenders in world football that will get tight enough on Cancelo at that point because he, he crossed it from really deep. It's a good and, ball. Yeah, it's a great ball. And he crossed it from deep enough that it, you can't say oh, they should have closed him down because he hit it straight back in as the ball came out. Uh, and then Holland just anticipation, athleticism, technique. Just a good goal. Croyfian. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Lots of Croy shouts for it. <laughs> Can I, there's, there are two things about this game which I, I don't know, were just in my mind. Two thoughts about this game in my mind afterwards. Mm. One of them was, uh, I think Gregor Kobel saves that first one from Stones. I think it's actually quite poor goalkeeper. Oh, that's from interesting. Maya. That's interesting. I mean, he, it was hit with, it was hit with some venom, but I think, I think the goalkeeper should be saving that. Yeah, that's interesting. Because you know when uh, Henri got that one against Bosnich at mm. um, Highbury? And it went like, basically like right down Bosnich's you know, mm. throat. But it didn't move like the Omri mm. one. Yeah, that's interesting. It's and it had a clear it. sight of the whole thing. Mm. And it wasn't too far away. I think he should have at least got a hand on it. Personally, that's maybe that's been a little bit harsh, but I think no, it, was, it was a great strike. But I was just thinking, I think Kobe will save from that. that you know, it's funny you should say this because I saw him and he, he punches through it, right? He absolutely punches through it. And I wondered if, maybe I'd be charitable here, it was just through him before he had a chance to get a look at it. Maybe. But from that distance, you're right. From that distance, you should get something on it. Uh, the second one was like the Holland goal. Mm. It made me realise that there's a subgenre of goals which are like divisive goals. Okay, right, right. Where you see the timeline split on them. A load of people just saying that, you know, what Holland was doing was otherworldly and Jao Cancelo's pass was like the best pass of all time. Mm. But then there were a load of people who like fight back against it. And I saw some people just being like, it's not that hard to kick with the outside of your foot. Yeah, Holland's just going to do that because he's mm. really tall and really athletic. And it is quite similar to that Cruyff goal that yeah. was, Lewandowski did one a couple of weeks ago as well. That was quite well the similar. Cruyff goal was, not quite was as going to be on the far post, wasn't it? The Cruyff yeah, yeah. goal was like, yeah. Yeah. But it is quite funny how, I think when a narrative builds around a player, yes. they can never just score a goal. No, that's a great point. You know, that's, and I think, and it's like with Jao Cancelo, he's like, he, will yeah. never, he can never just assist. Like, because mm. Modric did that outside of the foot cross not too long ago. Yeah. And Jao Cancelo did one last year as well. And, and they were both unbelievable. Mm. But I do think they're like, I think the tricky thing is that the actual skill of kicking it with the outside of your foot mm. is not a difficult skill. Right. It's definitely not a difficult skill for a professional footballer. He's been doing playing it playing in the Champions League. League. Yeah. And like, if you're playing in the Champions League uh, or you've won Premier Leagues, crossing the ball in with the outside of your foot is actually not. It's not a very difficult skill at all. What is difficult, I think, is actually managing the weight and splitting and the flight. Defenders yeah, yeah, that flight. was the thing. The flight. That's, that, that's yeah. the thing that adds difficulty with the outside of the foot because you do you do add in these degrees of variation, I suppose, or or you lose mm. forgiveness. I think when you start yeah, yeah. playing around with it. But the actual skill itself of hitting it with the outside of the foot, I think, is something that again you see you see the timeline split. Yeah, Pretty that's funny. interesting. Yeah, there should be a definitive like football take keeper yeah <laughs> right who's just like the gatekeeper i hear you you know but it's the not take, a time the keeper, keeper yeah coming to fix the the timeline they see the timeline and they see the takes on the timeline and they have the definitive say the take the keeper. Take that's, a, that's yeah. actually incredible the take i keeper. might nominate myself as the football take keeper because i also saw some today with these with these kit drops that's interesting. Very You've divisive. got strong feelings. Strong feelings about kits. No, no, I don't. I just think that like the England away kit is a is a really nice kit. Yeah, it taps into a lot of the elements that other club kits have been tapping mm. into this season, what people have lost their shit about. Mm. The England home one isn't is obviously not 
Oh, so you're going to be you're going to be censoring takes then. Cancel no, 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 culture. not censoring. Cancel no. culture. No, no, no. I'm Looking around and going, you know, the takes actually today are spicy, acidic. Just straying into self self hype here, so I'm I'm wary of going. Go that for way, it. Listen, you know, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be my. my I I feel like we do quite a good job on Stadio of being considerate to multiple sides of arguments when we are discussing something. I think I'd be quite capable as the ultimate take keeper. I'm a bit of an extremist. I'm too extreme to be a take keeper. Oh yeah, keeper. you'd be terrible. You'd be yeah, dreadful. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you'd be dreadful. I would be. No, no question. I love you, but and yeah. your takes are they're wild. They're sometimes wild. Sometimes good. They're, they're divergent. They're wild. They're wild. <laughs> let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. Um, but yeah. So I mean, You're, yeah. You see, like your takes are like you, like you're hitting it with the outside of your foot. That's true, and it can go anywhere. What's fair to say about the Holland goal? The excitement around it, the discourse around it just reflects the impact he's made, which has been, yeah. and it's, I think it's actually been, I think Holland has been even more successful more quickly than many of his biggest fans or supporters might have thought or yeah, hoped actually, because it's the Champions League form, it's the Premier League form, there's no difference for him between the two in terms of how he delivers. He's actually always delivered in the Champions League. This is the, maybe the greatest indicator of what he was capable of. And, you know, at a night where we saw Leo Messi drawn within 15 goals of Cristiano Ronaldo's all-time record, we're already looking at Erling Haaland and thinking, that guy gets eight seasons without injury. Yeah, he's going to smash it. He's going to get, you know. He's going to smash that record. Yeah. I, do, I genuinely think it. And I see three Dortmund, three ex-Dortmund players on the Man City team playing against their oh, wow. former side. Haaland was quite respectful when he scored. He did a little like fist bump, but he knew, he was, he was like, I'm happy. Yeah. Sorry. And then at half time, it's like full time then, you saw him like going off the Dortmund players as well, which is yeah. quite nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool beating Ajax 2-1. Good value for that. They were a good value. Yeah, they for really were. 20 odd attempts yeah. on goal. Yeah. Although Kudu's goal was probably the best. Of the the best. And actually, we have to say, one of the most disrespectful. Oh, dude. Listen, because Van Dyke was right there. Look, I mean, I don't listen, want to be. Listen, yeah. do, you remember, do you remember when there was, uh, there was a gentleman who kept telling us that our theory about goals off the bar was wrong? Do you remember? The gentleman was wrong. This goal proves that. It's extraordinary. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unreal, actually. The fact that this goal hits the bar and goes in, it's 17.6% better. That's two gorgeous goals in two games in the Champions League for Kudus. I mean, he's legit. Yeah, he's absolutely he's legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's I'm, actually a breakout season. You're looking at sort of um, Shakhtar and Mudrik over there. It's a, it's a breakout season for a couple of these young players, isn't it? Yeah. Quite yeah. early, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm happy that Liverpool kind of just read like settled this settled the ship a little bit yeah they needed steady the ship that's what I meant to say isn't it yeah um, I, I can't be a take keeper I can't even speak <laughs> Leverkusen beat Atletico 2-0 and uh, there were two lovely goals in this from uh, from Robert Andrich and then Musa Diaby not long after 84th and 87th minute both assisted by Jeremy Frimpong lovely assist the second one particularly so any takeaways from this game, apart from Antoine Griezmann coming on again late in the game so he doesn't activate some minutes-related clause? No, I'm, I suppose... Allegedly. In the same way that Leverkusen... Well, we talked about Leverkusen's bright start um, the other year and they kind of found it when they lost to Bayern. In that, in, that, in that season, Leverkusen was strong in Europe and domestically this season, this might be a result that really helps them kickstart something. They have some really good forward players they did really well last season and they've kind of found it a bit. Hudson Odoi is looking happy there. I just wonder what they can do in the next few months. Um, but I hope this result is the platform for something interesting. 
Uh, Milan beating Dinamo Zagreb 3-1 at San Siro. And Chelsea drawing with Salzburg in the other game in that group. Mm. Well, actually, just very quick on the Dinamo Zagreb stuff. Um, video going around of right-wing salute, well, right-wing salutes by a section of the away support, Dinamo Zagreb support, was really concerning um, yeah. to see that. Milan impressive, Salamakas. I mean, this is the thing about, oh. about Milan. What I love about Milan is the way that those players just take responsibility. Liao will step up, Salamakas will step up, Banassa will step up, step up. It's leadership throughout the team at this point. And mm. the most impressive thing about what they've done under Pioli, and shout out to him as well, is that he's just given, I look at the players he has in that team, I just think they're all liberated and they're all improving. Every single one of the players under his tutelage I've looked at, and they developed at different speeds or improved at different speeds, but there's improvement in each of them. Mm. And I look at Milan now, and the greatest compliment I think I can pay them is, I never know who the match winner is going to be. Like if they win 3-1 and someone says, who scored the decisive goal? I can't tell you. There are clubs where you're around Europe, you're like, oh, it was that person, it was that person. But Milan, actually, they are, they're really intriguing in that sense. And they've got real character. Um, and I hope they make a deep run in Europe. Um, they've got the, uh, the minerals for it. Salzburg drawing with Chelsea at Chelsea. Big deal this game. It was a big deal. Graham Potter's first game in charge. To be honest, I just think Chelsea are one unbelievable slash slightly fortunate save away from winning this game. Yes, that's absolutely that right. That one from ZX. Absolutely right, yeah. Uh, and I think they could have been out of sight. They created some good chances for sure. They really did. And yeah, I think yeah. that, again, you know, talking about Barcelona in the, in the buying game, mm. the performance is the thing that matters the most. And, and Graham Potter said it. He was quite calm after the game. He was just like, yeah, it wasn't, you know, performance was good. was good. It wasn't really meant to be for us tonight. But, I think they're going to be fine. And actually, I think it was quite encouraging because that Red Bull Salzburg side has caused people problems yeah, over has, the last few years. In the has, yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite Chelsea being bottom of that group after two games, they're only three points behind Milan, who are top. So that group is very condensed. And I think you back Chelsea, the way they were moving the, way, the ball around last night, you'd back them to move up. I imagine that they'll get out of the group with Milan. Yeah, I think. Good to see Raheem Sterling finishing so well as well. Pretty nice, yeah. Um, Shakhtar got another point. Uh, this time at home to Celtic. Um, they had to work for that as well. They really did. This was a really good game, actually. Celtic were beautiful. Celtic were beautiful. So that, um, and Copenhagen drew with Sevilla, nil-nil. Mm. And I think that's all of the groups that we've covered, apart from the final group, which is Group H. Well, we've mentioned PSG. Yep. Uh, we didn't mention... Juventus losing at home to Benfica, did we? We didn't. And we should do because this kind of adds on to the chat that we had in the airport on Monday about mm. Juve. Following up that result on the weekend with this result at home is the worst thing. It's not a shock though. It wasn't a shock. Given Benfica's form and given Juventus' form, this is par for the course. And I thought Benfica again were really, really, really good value for it. Excellent value. They've not had much joy against Portuguese teams in the Champions League recently, Juventus. They really haven't. No, and to be honest, I think Benfica could have been could have been further away from them. Should have and been, yeah. Shit is about to get very real for Juve if they don't have a result this weekend. They're away at Monza. And I would back them to win that game. But if you think they're now four games in a row without a win. Mm. I mean, it's a good time to play Monza just because Monza have been struggling. Yeah. Uh, but... I mean, Juventus took the early lead, but in terms of the balance of play, Benfica were always, always dangerous. Anything else from the Champions League you want to talk about? Is there anything? 
Well, I just want to sort of a quick shout to Maccabi Haifa because that was their first, the opening goal was their first goal in Champions League mm. in a very long time and it was a beautifully worked goal. Uh, and also just PSG, like, you know, the big three scored there, Messi, Mbappe, Neymar. And that firepower is going to be really important um, as the time goes on. Maybe it's too early to say this as a hot take comparison, but I wonder if we're going to see some similarities between Gautier's PSG and Luis Enrique's Barcelona in 2015. Interesting. Just because the front three and how they're aligning, you know how they sacrifice match control for directness. I wonder if we're going to see a similar thing over time. What's interesting with Messi, I will just say this very quickly in relation to Messi, is he's just really enjoying the playmaking role. Like, just the fact that like goal scoring is our primary responsibility. It feels like I've, I really love watching this, un- this incarnation of Messi um, dropping deep, orchestrating play. So yeah, watch out for comparisons between Enrique's Barcelona for those who are interested and Gautier's PSG but they look like a real team they really do uh, Arsenal's Europa League game is called off against PSV and will be rescheduled where on the same date that the Manchester City game is supposed to take place so mm. that will now be rescheduled obviously due to police availability because of the uh, the passing of the, passing. Queen of the second yeah yes um, I just saw that Roger Federer is retiring Oh, wow. Oh, that's what a special. Um, sorry, I'm getting emotional. What an amazing player. Just the elegance, you know? The sheer elegance. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how to process that. Serena, Serena, Serena last week and now Roger. What's happening? There's such a special category of athlete yeah. who do the most difficult thing in the world and make it look as if they're not trying. And that's an obvious thing to say, but. That, that, you know, talk about sort of transcending sport. What does that actually mean? Well, Roger Federer is one of those players. It almost looked like um, it's a ballroom dancing when the, there's just a spotlight on that individual or well, on the couple. And then like everyone else is shrouded in darkness and watching Federer against an opponent. Very often, I don't even remember the opponent. I just remember Federer on the baseline, sweeping, like sweeping his wrist at the ball and the ball returning and sweeping again. And you kind of almost couldn't watch anyone but Federer even when it was the tightest game. Just a singular talent and gave me hours of entertainment, countless hours of joy. So yeah, may he enjoy his blissful retirement. Yeah. There's a man with great cardigans, actually. Always trust a man with good cardigans. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to touch on this. You obviously would have seen all of this by now. Chelsea owner Todd Bowley was asked... I, I'm not sure what the actual setting was. It was kind of like just a Q&A or something like that, I think. Mm. About, uh, we're not actually sure what the question was, but his quote was something like, the Premier League could l- learn a lot from American sports. And one of the takeaways was, or one of the suggestions was, doing an all-star game in the Premier League. Klopp was asked about it and they came the other night and gave a typical Klopp answer about, mm. you know, when he finds a date, call me. Yeah. Which is a valid point, actually. But I think for, a, for an off-the-cuff remark about something that could be added to the Premier League, I think the way that Todd Bowley went about trying to make his point was a bit... Mm. But I actually think the point itself isn't a wild one. It's, I mean, okay, so this is the quote to read it out. Ultimately, I hope the Premier League takes a little bit of a lesson from American sports and really starts to figure out 
Why don't we do a tournament with the bottom four sports teams? Why isn't there an all-star game? Now, okay, look, yeah. now th- I can the, see the, why this, I can the four see. bottom thing is just not. Yeah, this is why it set people off because yeah. here's the thing. They can easily, and, look, and I say this to someone that watches a lot of American sport, loves a lot of it. Not that I need to, but the point is this. Like, there's no relegation, okay, in American sport, in major American sport. And so you have the draft system to rescue teams that are ailing, failing. Yeah. You don't have that. So, you know, and also I think the other thing, the energy about like, you know, why doesn't it take a bit of a lesson? I think the problem that Todd Bowley has with this is that an all-star game actually, we'll get into that as a concept, is really interesting, exciting. People would watch it. We talked about like having a tournament of like, you know, all-stars drawn from different continents yeah. and that was an exciting concept, I think, um, that someone suggested to us and we discussed it. And the problem that Todd Bowley has is he spent most of summer acting as a sporting director and trying to hijack transfers here and there. And then he sacked a very popular coach who'd won a Champions League and had a very difficult job, well, job on very difficult circumstances last season, Thomas Tuchel, obviously, um, and who was devastated to lose the job because he was really looking forward to planning something. The reports coming out about Bowley almost kind of wanting him to prem-splain football to him in a WhatsApp group, you know, like, and Tuchel's just there to coach, you know, so there's sympathy towards uh, Tuchel, maybe concern or alarm at Bowley's conduct, and then he comes out with that, and it's almost like, it's not in it, when Klopp says you've just got here, I don't think the animosity is about the owner just arriving, it's about the manner with which Bowley has entered, because the actual suggestion of, a, of an all-star game if you make room for it somehow in the fixture list with, with breaks and all the rest of it. The, 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 as you said, I think we were chatting about this before. Actually, like, it's, it's right. It's I've interesting. It. It's a vibe, right? Yeah. I mean, the problem is that there's, I think that with stuff like this is that when you have, <laughs> Jamie Carragher and Thierry Henry said this thing on CBS, I think the other night being like, you know, it doesn't know the league. It doesn't know the sport. Mm. And yeah, I, I get that point of view, but I think that also just, I think it doesn't really matter about the, like the background of the person. It's the person. It's not the back, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the, the, it's, yeah. it's the energy that they come with. And yeah, Todd Bowley hasn't been around football for a, a huge amount of time. 100 and what, 109 days maybe now? Hmm. 100 and maybe less. He's been around professional sports for a while. And yeah, I get that. But I think that he's obviously a clever guy. Yeah. Right. And that's I just not think dispute, this, is, yeah. this is my kind of beef with a lot of this stuff is this like, just know your audience here. Know your audience and be like, American sports aren't perfect, for argument's sake. Like, yeah. communicate it better. Mm. American like because there are, yeah, there are a few things that probably the Premier League could Oh learn. my goodness. It's, they shouldn't, it's not, yeah, yeah. there's nothing yeah. that they should learn, yeah. I don't think. And likewise, there's nothing really that American professional sports, sports should learn from the Premier League, really. What American sports do really, really well, and I think that football doesn't do as well, is honouring it's legends, actually. I don't think it's done that so well. If you look at the last, you look at like the, the All-Stars, um, not just the All-Stars, but sort of retiring numbers. Not that we have to do that in, in football, but just in terms of like, you know, the ceremonies of, of honouring all these people. It's a relatively new thing, actually, in, in football. Um, really putting those on a platform we came before and drawing on your heritage. We haven't done that so well, I think, as, as fans, yes, but as in terms of like structures, institutions, haven't done that as well as American sports, in my opinion, right? There's so much that can be learned, but I think, again, it's just the kind of crash, bang, wallop, and it's not, and this is the, and here's the thing, it's not about being American, because we've had American owners in the Premier League for a very long time, and we've had- Some good, some some good, like FSG. And not just, and not just good, but like just 
There's a huge, there's a huge variety of American owners who've been in the Premier League. So we can't be like, oh my God, American. It doesn't mean anything. Like anyone's been to America, like, oh, what part of America? Idaho or, or Seattle or whatever, like wherever. Like there's a, there's a vast range within American nuance. So it's not the American thing. And if people that go and to the critics of this and go, oh my God, an American's coming. No, actually engage with the substance of what they're saying. And also as well, engage with them as someone who is a, a new partner in the league, a new member of the league. But just also, like my 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 whole vibe is like, like you've come in, like, like I say, and I can't, I keep coming back to the turkle sacking, I keep coming back to that. And I'm like, you don't really have, don't have the leverage or the maybe the bandwidth. You've got the bandwidth. You've got plenty of bandwidth. That's clear from your comments. You've got plenty of, you know, you've got a lot to say. But I don't know if you've got the leverage, the gravitas, or the authority to bring people with you after doing something as brutal as that as brutal as that, because you talk about, you know, we're talking about sort of, there's been a lot of talk over the summer about like different forms of ownership and a, you know, sort of a, a new slate. And I'm like, no, this just feels like the same old chaos actually. Um, and to bring people with you on a proposal like that, this is the thing. You need people to come with you on a thing like that. You look at like a sort of David Dean as a figure in football that can kind of bring people along mm-hmm. and build consensus. My question to Todd Bowley is, any idea that you have, how do you build consensus? And it's not just about a couple of round tables, it's about your conduct between those meetings that you do, it's about how you handle your club and how you handle your people. You know, and we've said this before, this is a slightly separate point, but again, we said in the last podcast, put Graham Potter in a very difficult position. Yeah. And part of my energy almost is like, it sounds like, I'm going to sound very like uh, censorious here, but it's almost like... Do you need the, do you need a take keeper? It's much easier, put it this way, it's much easier to come a proposal like that, which puts even more pressure on players in terms of like schedules, right? Because the schedule is already packed. And I think all, look, all owners hopefully have the kind of, the welfare of players in mind. I don't think Todd Bowie does. Mm. Well, no, no, you talk, well, you, we all sort of think about this, but looking at it in good faith, right? Assuming that all owners have some regard for the burden they're putting on players, I just think your house has to be in better order to come with a proposal that big. And I don't think that the Chelsea house is in order at the moment. No, I mean, you know, does that make, does that make, does that make, does that make, yeah, 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 it makes sense. I mean, the, 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 there was a thing within there that I think will make a lot of people's ears prick up, and that was the two hundred million dollar thing. Mm. You know, well, we did a Monday and a Tuesday MLB All Star game. We made two hundred million dollars, and the actual the the talk about it filtering down to the pyramid or doing it as a as a thing that does flow to mm. uh, the game lower down outside the Premier League. It's a, that's not a bad idea. Not at all. At not all. T- it's good. It's good. I but like it. For example, it. I like if you it. said, if, if, and this is what I think that actually a lot of people have jumped on the thing itself without actually maybe just stepping back a little bit and being like, yeah. all right, well, think about it. Would it be fun to say, maybe the North South thing is, is what it is. Mm. Would it from, it, would, it, would it be fun to say, have, I don't know, who's, who are going to be the two most popular players in the Premier League on fan voting? Mm. Kevin, no, uh, but uh, you know what they'll probably the way Arsenal fans vote online they'll probably be Arsenal yeah, fans yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all Arsenal team yes. you'll probably have Captain Saliba and Captain the entire Bikayo, team from the south the entire right, team from the south yeah yeah exactly as the two captains for mm. the all-star vote uh, of the all-star game and then you could do it like they do in the NBA when they you know have what's actually fascinating pick, you know, you know it's what's fun. fascinating about um, Todd Bowie's proposal and here's the thing like this is someone who spent his entire career having to sell right so like I'm just surprised that this is the thing he's sold this poorly, actually, because I think 
you know, I think there's a lot of it is very strong. The funny thing about it is actually, I couldn't tell you, and that what excites me in a way is, I'd be almost intrigued to find out who the fans would vote for as the most popular leader, right? Because it's always interesting to see what fans vote for in terms of different positions and like, you know, who they, who they value. Because I, I couldn't really tell you who, for example, they would think should be the captain of the Northern Well, no, team. that's what I'm saying. You don't yeah. have North and South then if you have two yeah. captains. Oh, well, sorry. So you just yeah, pick yeah. teams. Yeah. Like, yeah, sorry, yeah. like, like, you know, team Giannis and team LeBron. Or but again, 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 though, I couldn't tell you who the fans are picking. That's no, kind no, of exciting. No, I, I don't. Yeah. yeah. And I, I actually find that quite, yeah. but then, but then basically you need to be like, I mean, it would be great if there was space for an all-star game. Right. Absolutely. But yes. the players, there's no, there's no time in the schedule. So maybe we can look at like actually having a winter break. Now, most uh, leagues around Europe break during the most traditional period of football in England, which is like the Christmas to New Year schedule. Hmm. So imagine if, for argument's sake, you play the new, the Christmas schedule and then you actually have the all-star break, uh, the all-star game on like the 3rd or 4th of January. Right. So you have the Christmas, you have Boxing Day football, you have the Christmas period, you have New Year's Day football, then you have the all-star game and then you actually have a three-week winter break. Right. Oh, what a dream. Because actually, if you sold it to, to players and managers that way, I think they might be like, yeah, that's kind of cool. And, I, and like I say, again, I'm almost slightly frustrated that, that he sold it like that, that he came yeah, in. Too. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's actually, I, I think that there'll be a lot of people who listen to this being like, what in the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But I think it's just the way that it's been delivered. If you came, like it can't replace the community shield because it's A, it's not fair on um, any coach whose players are involved because it messes with their preseason training routines. Yeah. And also, I just don't think you can have it at the beginning of the season. It just doesn't really work. Mm. You have it bang in the middle of the season before a short break. Mm. But then you're talking about schedule fixing. And as we've seen with the recent cancellations, little thought gets put into actually freeing up the schedule. Yeah. No, everyone's trying to find places to add more football. I mean, we in. just put a whole World Cup in the middle of winter. Exactly. We? Yeah. Which is why I also understand, Klop, understand Klopp's initial frustration because he's looking at a squad that is just about getting by at the moment. Right. And he's like, great, end of the game. There's nothing actually to do with us. So I understand Klopp's initial, like, especially without any of the detail or the context or actually like stuff that was said. Like, I wonder, for example, if there'd been like, um, if someone had mentioned, oh, he suggested doing this in order to raise money f for stuff down the pyramid. Klopp might give it a, a little bit of an answer. But actually Klopp's answer, the more and more I think about it, the more and more it sounds like he's actually, he, start, he kind of wants to hate it. But he's, the he's longer like, it goes on. He's like, find space in the schedule. Like, and he, yeah. here's, here's the thing. We, you and I Forming. are talking from a place of footballing, idealism, utopianism, right? And he's looking for a place of, Jurgen Klopp's got a spreadsheet of footballers uh, under his, you know, under, uh, under his guidance, um, you know, auspices. And, and it basically like, he's looking at a bunch of them in the red zone. He's looking at muscle fatigue, injury, and he's thinking, really? Mm. Like, this is the last thing we need at this point. So I can see, I completely, I actually have a lot of sympathy for his position and his frustration actually. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Because he's like, if this thing gains momentum, people start running the numbers. Like it's a much easier thing to achieve than a Super League. It's a much easier thing to get votes for. Yeah. And also I think a lot of people who are around the Premier League kind of need checking a little bit in the sense that like, I understand, I know exactly where a lot of that resistance comes from. And it's this kind of like tradition and no, we're not glitz yeah. and glam and stuff like that. We're England and 
the most competitive league and hard league and stuff like this. But like the Premier League is a brand and it's a, it's a show. Like yeah. you go to Premier League games, it's ruckus before the games. There's loads of noise. There's loads of music when you don't really need music. Some clubs have literal like flames on the side of the pitch coming out. Yeah. It's like a, an NFL game. Do you know what the problem's going to be if this... So, no, so, no, so, yeah, so I'm just can, saying yeah. that like the Premier League is, is already a lot closer to the kind of showbiz mm. of a lot of American sports that I think a lot of traditionalists think it isn't. Mm. The traditionalism comes into in, uh, instant resistance to a lot of ideas like this because they're just like, it's like Klopp said, Klopp was just like, oh, what, are you going to bring the Highland Globetrotters over as well? Which is a little bit like, come on, Klopp, yeah, yeah, you know, you're, yeah. you're better than this, really. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that comes at the beginning of his argument and then he kind of seems to soften the longer it goes on. Have I made any sense there at all? No, I complete, just rambled on no, a bit com- of a complete sense. Complete sense, actually. Um, I, I just think to no. Put I just think in I'm, charge of my own tape. You know, you made you made complete sense. And the one thing I was just thinking I'd add to that would be, as you were talking, I was just thinking, what's the other thing, the other element to this that might happen? I think you'd get it would get very political with the split of the cash, because yeah, let's be realistic. Some of that money might go down the pyramid, right, and some might go to good causes, but the bulk of that cash is going into the into the pockets of clubs, mm-hmm. and then you might have a kind of like, actually. We're the star clubs to provide the star players. Why aren't we getting a bigger split? Like that, I, I just think there'd be so much politicking over how the money was divvied up. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, he's got us talking. So maybe that was a uh, his first I his mean, first intention. Yeah, you know, if there are rumours of a four four three suggestion, you've got to watch the all star suggestions that's, straight away. Yeah, that's, that's true. like that. Listen, absolutely. I'm just I'm just saying. If I'd been yeah. if, it, <laughs> yeah. if a long read had featured that detail yeah. about. Yeah. I would maybe hold off on them straight away. I think that's, yeah, absolutely right. Fair? Yeah, and that's absolutely fair. That's absolutely fair. In fact, we should probably leave it on that note. Yeah, for sure. All right, then let's get out of here. So next week, we'll do one Stadio. It'll probably be in the middle of the week. In the meantime, check Wrighty's house and check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. In fact, if you don't follow it already and you have Spotify, you need to go and follow the Stadio Outros playlist. It's a vibe. It's every single tune we play out on each episode. The newest one is at the top and it automatically updates. Search for Stadio Outros on Spotify. And this week, uh, we're playing out on a previously unreleased tune from Blondie called Mr. Sightseer. It's out now on a collection called Against the Odds, which is out on, is out on Numero. Um, anything you want to add, Mr. Blondie? I would say that given our travels around Europe at the moment, we are very much sightseers. Oh. There we go. Oh. Wasn't that a nice little <laughs> segue? This, <laughs> is, all up. this is going to go sightsee, and I'm going to go and edit. Oh, so no, have fun. Oh, no. uh, much love, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. We'll be back with you next week. See you then. If you take me for a ride,
Namaste.